0: If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or DesignerLooks.com.
1: Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online Online. with Bill
2: Alexander. Alexander.
0: Good day, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM, McKeesport.com. WLDJ, Newcastle, 1620 AM Huntingdon, Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM, steelfm.org, WWSX, Radio Rehoboth in Rehoboth, Delaware, Orca Radio in Owensboro, Kentucky, and streaming at italknet.com and also on pghtalkradio.com. Fingers crossed we will have two more affiliates before the end of the month. Um, one was supposed to go this past week, and unfortunately, there was a mix-up with that. So, hopefully, I'll be able to announce them next week for sure. That uh, we have two new affiliates on the uh, on the program. Well, tonight we have a guest that I had scheduled in December. Unfortunately, was not able to have him on because I was under the weather. This gentleman is a friend of a friend of our program. And remember Anna Vicino, who's on here on a regular basis. Anna does a podcast with this gentleman, and he is a celebrity fitness trainer, podcaster, and author of best selling fitness uh confidential. And his name is Vinny Tortorich. Vinny, how are you doing this evening?
3: Good, Bill. Thank you, and thank you for having me on. And by the way, um, it, you've had Anna on the show, which means you've had the best of both of us. <laughs> so uh, you, you've already had the best, and now, now you, you're, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel with me. But thank you for having me on.
0: Well, when when I found out that Anna was doing a podcast with you, we were t- we were talking about health and and fitness because of her books. Um, that she has done eat happy and eat happy two, And I guess she's working on a third cookbook right now. And basically because she is, um, gluten free in everything she eats. So her and I started talking about it and, and for a brief time I was on keto and I lost the most weight I ever did. I lost 50 pounds on keto. Unfortunately, nice. I went on vacation, fell off the bandwagon and has, have never been able to get back on again. And that's been about a year. Now, being stuck in COVID situation and the, the stay-at-home orders and everything else, I've been doing what everybody else has been doing and stress eating. And I've gained yeah. about 35 pounds. And that's not where I'm supposed to be. So I want to get back to keto. But... The problem I'm having is I have such a sweet tooth, I'm having difficulties doing that. But that's neither here nor there, because I'm going to ask you about that at the end of the program. But what I want to talk to you about is the documentaries you've done, Fat and Fat 2, where you're talking about where we have been fed a bill of goods by the health industry, the nutrition industry, the government, that fat is bad. And grains are good. In other words, it's the other way around, isn't it?
3: Yeah, you know, it's always been a mystery to me. I, I've been in the health and fitness business for you know, better part of 40 years, uh, starting in, in 1980, 81, right around there. And before that, I was a gym rat okay. know, growing up. And so I've, I, I've been into health and fitness even before I had a degree in exercise physiology and nutrition and all that stuff. And it, you know, it's crazy. Back when I was a kid, my my grandparents were all you know immigrants from Italy, and you know, my my grandmother, who I don't think made it past the sixth grade, because you know there was depression. You know, it was before the depression, and my I guess my dad grew up during the depression, but they they were poor immigrants, and they couldn't even stay in school. They had to go to work, right? But someone with a sixth grade education somehow I knew that if you eat bread and too much pasta, you will get fat. Right? Right. And we would hear stuff like, you have to eat your meat, you know, have your meat, have your bacon, eat your eggs. That's how you stay strong. You know, I, I grew up hearing that. So you can you can only imagine when the 1980s came along and all of a sudden they're talking about heart-healthy grains. And I'm sitting in, in class going, wait, what? <laughs> when, when, did, when did this start? Because These elders of mine, they knew this. Right. And it turns out everyone knew about this even before that. You know, um, and I remember reading about Dr. Atkins even in the 70s, you know, and everyone was going, oh, yeah, you'll lose a lot of weight doing Atkins, but you'll be a really good-looking corpse. (laughs) So, you know, there was all these discrepancies. And even, you know, when I was at Tulane um, getting my degrees, You know, professors would say, you know, there's three macronutrients. There's fat, carbohydrates, and proteins. You know, proteins are the building block of every cell in your body, and you need that to grow bone and ligaments and tendons and muscles and your heart and all of you. You know, just everything is is built off of protein. And fat is your body's, you know, fuel. You, You fuel on fat. And carbohydrates are there if you need quick fuel. Right. Right. And, you know, all of this stuff just, you know, started flying in the face of what my immigrant grandparents <laughs> talked about and and more so what I was learning at Tulane. By 1984, I'll never forget this, Bill. There was a a book that came out. I, I was up in Aspen, Colorado, training you know, the super wealthy back then. And it was kind of the days before trainers were everywhere. You know, it was just a few of us in the country. And I was up in Aspen. It was, I want to say 83, 84, somewhere around there, one of those years. And all of a sudden, there was a book that was going around called Eat to Win. And everyone was saying, oh, yeah, you know, your body gets fueled off of pasta. That's how you can't get fat if you don't eat fat. You know, I'm hearing all this stuff. So Someone gave me the book in Aspen, and I remember reading it in between, you know, hiking these rich people up and down mountains. And I, I thought the book was actually written by Mad Magazine. I, I went, <laughs> okay, this is a hoax. It's just a hoax. It, it can't be right. It just can't be. And but sure enough, this guy calling himself maybe he was a doctor, I'm not sure, Robert Haas is going fat burns in the flame of carbohydrates, and you need carbohydrates. And by the next summer, by the time I got back to Aspen that next summer to go, you know, work with the rich and famous again, there were restaurants like Mezzalunas and that, you know, you couldn't get in. There was a block around the block. You couldn't get into Mezzalunas. You have to wait in line because everybody was eating 18 and 19 dollar plates of pasta. And I was like, wait a minute. Pasta is like a side dish that immigrants and poor Italians would eat to fill out their diet. But now this was the main dish. And I was watching this stuff in real time. And it was the most disturbing thing I think I'd ever seen.
0: It, it, what I think is interesting about this, and correct me if I'm wrong, we, we have our ideas of what is healthy because of the mass producers of food because they're the ones producing it and of course they created that grains are good for you because grains are cheap and they can process them and they can they can package them and get them out there when you look at beef or you look at meat that's going to be more expensive and the the average american's not going to be able to buy as much so is it because our diets have changed or our lifestyles have changed to make things quick and easy that we're not doing our own pre- our own preparation of food
3: well look when it comes right down to it the government subsidizes wheat and corn and you know all of this stuff you know it's it's and we've done it for you know ever since the great depression because this might sound familiar from the last great depression uh, Warming was too big to fail right sounds familiar yes very so the government got into the, the wheat and corn business and and when we started you know it's think like, wait a minute we can export the stuff we could do all kinds of stuff with it so uh, that's why you know we, we started selling this stuff worldwide and using it as a, 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 you know a bargaining chip now I'm going to give you an example so that your audience can understand. If you think I'm just making this stuff up, I was in college in 1981. It was around the last time I had Taco Bell because I, it tasted like a chemical to me. It didn't taste like food. But back then they had a special at Taco Bell, two tacos for 99 cents. Okay. The, the only difference today is uh, several months ago I saw a Taco Bell special. It was two for 69 cents. Now that's incredible because I remember paying somewhere around eleven dollars for a pair of Chuck Taylor tennis shoes back right. then, and those same Chuck Taylors are like sixty dollars now. The car I was driving back then um, was four thousand dollars, brand new, and it was, it was a Camaro. To get the same Camaro t- maybe it was forty five hundred. Same Camaro today would be probably sixty thousand dollars. Right. So everything else. Eggs, Camaros, Chuck Taylors, everything else has gone up in price, except Taco Bell. It's, it's stayed pretty stable. So what are you eating at Taco Bell? Well, you're eating you know, reconstituted bean powder. You're eating, uh, you're eating grains, and that's it. They, they throw something that resembles meat in there. But it's such a small amount that they can literally draw profit at less of a price than they were charging in 1981. So what does that tell you? (laughs) You know, know, who's subsidizing this? That's allowing them to make a profit on that. Right. Well, it's the government, right? And, you know, we we talk about, you know, the, the lobbyists, right? The food lobbies are the biggest lobbyists in the world. And then you'll go, well, wait a minute. I read some studies. The studies are saying that grains are healthy. Well, the studies are done through harvard or eat, Lance, eat lancet or minnesota university and i'm mentioning those places for a reason because big food companies like unilever that make and produce all this crap they give all the research dollars to harvard
0: to those
3: universities to yeah. minnesota university to eat lancet to you know to squint you could take a study and make it make anything out of it. We see that all the time now. With the last elections, you know, we, we saw where they took every, you know, whatever you wanted to read, you can read because they could take the same, you know, uh, hey, we, we did a poll, Trump is ahead. Hey, we did a poll, Biden is right. ahead. Right. Well, it was, which, which poll do it?
0: Well, you can split and make anything sound like anything. Yeah.
3: Right. And they do the same thing with epidemiological studies and science.
0: So a few years ago, actually, it's probably about 10 years ago, um, I was doing a radio program with a chef who is uh, classically uh, trained in Pittsburgh, and we started talking about this, and before keto became popular, and he was talking about the meats and everything else, and he was also talking about... um, how the the corporations, the big food agricultural companies like Monsanto and these organizations were getting in and how our stuff was being treated and taken care of. And not only that, he started talking about what we were buying on the shelves. And he told me that if you read a box of whatever you buy and if you can't read it, don't buy it. Because if you yeah. don't know what the words are, you don't know what you're buying. And I thought that was really interesting because we were talking about this 10 and 15 years ago publicly. But the best part is no one wanted to hear it. And I don't know if that's because they felt that preparing their own food was going to take longer. So now all of a sudden we go 5, 10 years later and now we have all these companies like um, uh, the these these food companies are shipping food to your home now with all the ingredients you need that are pretty much as healthy as you can get. And you're preparing it instead of going out and buying what you need, like the Hello Fresh and the organizations like that. Sure. So are you thinking the society is getting smarter or is this just this marketing just to a certain generation? Because I think it's the millennials that are understanding that the, that, the way they eat is going to affect the way they feel the way they look and and their life expectancy
3: well unfortunately the only ones that that are getting the message and they're barely getting the message are the ones who are lucky enough to get educated and to to make enough money to to be able to get food sent to their house you right. know the bigger problem is the majority of people You know, look, if you have a family that's living off of, uh, you know, a minimum wage salary, or, you know, mom and dad are both working, and they're both, you know, bringing in just north of minimum wage or, you know, just a regular income. You got three miles to feed besides you and your wife. So, you know, if you say, listen, you know, we could go to, you know, Subway Sandwich. I can feed the whole family for less than $18, or I can go buy enough meat to feed one of us for the same $18. Right. Well, what what do we do? Right. And that's the bigger problem. You know, um, my daughter is going to be an attorney next year. I don't think she's going to be worried much about, you know, where she's, you, you know, she's not going to be eating a belt beefer. You know, she's, she's going to eat the way she's been eating with us her entire life. Right. And I know that because she's in college right now. and, you know, I see the bills, you know, (laughs) she's eating really well, right. Um, which is fine. You you know, I, I I don't want to know that she's eating pizza and drinking beer that, that, and you know, she's kept her weight in check and she's very healthy and on and on and on. So you sit there and you go, okay, my kid's going to be okay, but I'm not talking about my kid. You know, um, I'm worried about everyone else because at some point when you think about it, we're going to break under the weight of our own weight, mm-hmm. right? When people talk about, you know, look, I've, I've had, you know, people from the military, our military call me and go, Hey, I'm wishing I could get more people to listen to what you and I, you know, we get over a million downloads a month on the podcast. And, and I get these, these sergeants, these drill sergeants, these corporals, all these people going, man, our guys, they come in fat, We can't, you know, all the workouts and everything, we can't get them to lose weight the military food is horrible. Right At some point, as a country, and no one else is looking at this, we're too busy trying to come up with fake meat. But it, it, we're in a situation now where if we keep going down this road, our health care, which is already stressed to the minds, right. forget about COVID. I'm talking about morbidly obese people. I'm You, know, you turn on the television and every ad, Every single ad, it used to be like a rock and, you know, truck yep. commercials. Now every ad is, hey, go get Ralexa. Ralexa, will stop this problem. And the next ad is like, hey, go get syncopy syncopy is going to fix that problem. By the way, I just made up those two names, but don't they sound like something you
0: heard <laughs> earlier today? Yes.
3: You know, <laughs> and every single ad is, you know, people are on five, six, seven, eight, nine drugs, right? Yes. So we're not even trying to fix the problem. We're trying to put a Band-Aid on a broken leg, and at some point, it's not going to work anymore. Right. You know, and when when you start depleting, you know, your money through health care, how do you run a military? Then some other country can just come in here without firing
0: one shot and take over. Right. You know, the the other thing we learned this past year is the food insecurity in the United States that all these people that turned over, turned to food banks to get their food. And when you look at what the food banks are getting out, they're not worried about healthy meals. They're just worried about making people feel full. And it's right. very interesting to watch it because you see all the cereal. You see all the prepared meals. Even when you have a food bank in your local area, everything they're giving out is processed in some way, shape, or form. It's not healthy. Yeah, and and
3: again, the problem, you just hit the nail on the head. You know, the the situation there is, you know, you got to fill up someone's belly. And, you know, grains are almost free. You know, (laughs) to, to give them meat and cheese and, you know, vegetables and what have you, Let's go back to your friend, the chef, right? Yeah. The guy was right. You should eat nothing where you can't you you know, you can read the label. I take it one step further. Your food, each food should have one ingredient. If it's broccoli, that should be the only ingredient.
0: Broccoli, right.
3: If it's pork, it should be the only ingredient. If it's fish or eggs, see, these are all single-ingredient foods. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we could just eat along those lines, we're fine, right? The problem is is that... We're in a situation now where, you know, when you have food lines and you're trying to feed the masses, good luck. Good luck, man, because, hell, a few, I don't think it was during the Trump administration, but I think the Obama administration, if I'm not mistaken, they started calling pizza a vegetable. And by the way, I'm not making a joke. Actually, that's a fact.
0: That was the Bush administration prior to him.
3: Was that Bush? Oh, okay. Uh, Because they made
0: ketchup a vegetable too. And it was like, really ketchup is not a vegetable. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So when you start calling ketchup and pizza vegetables, you you got yourself an issue. Right. And so, you know, I I sit there and I go, okay, what are we doing? What are we trying to do? And, you know, we can fix this problem we we really can it would be a lot cheaper to start subsidizing meat and look i'm not a big fan of factory farming mm-hmm. and you know i mean it, we got problems in the meat industry too but with enough money and enough care and enough time it can all be fixed absolutely it can be fixed
0: i i remember and again this is going back to the 80s that there was a time when the government would give out eggs cheese, milk, and some meats because they were subsidizing these farms and they had nowhere to go with this stuff because it was all um surplus and they were giving it out. Then all of a sudden they stopped doing it and I guess they started supplementing the grain farms and stuff like that and then we started getting a surplus of that. So I think there's a way of doing it. We just have to find a happy medium. Yeah. Yeah,
3: and right now no one's interested in that. Um, and as a matter of fact, I'm, I've already it's already scripted. I've been working on it, uh, my third documentary, and I'm literally I'm I'm driving. I'm not flying. I'm driving to LA in two weeks, and not even two weeks. About a week and a half now to shoot my part of it. Okay, um, so I already have the crew scheduled and everything. Next year, i at this point. I'm putting out a documentary a year. Um, you know, as you know, the first one was, you know, Fat, a documentary and that thing took off like wildfire. I, I, you know, I, I did it and never thought that anyone would watch the movie, but it went to number one on iTunes. It went to number one on Amazon. Amazon immediately put it on Amazon prime. and It just, it, it just went crazy all over the world. You know, back when people were still flying, you could see it on every airliner. It's still on, you know, it's, you know, people would send me pictures from Malaysian airlines and, you know, the movie was on that. That's, that's how big it it got. And so during COVID, I had a lot of time to sit around. So I had all the extra footage and I put together a documentary too. Right. And, you know, people said to me, it's like, wow, the first movie, you kind of cracked the door open and we all got intrigued, but man, the second movie, you really went into it. You you let these, these, these interviews breathe a bit. Oh my God. The second one is perhaps even better than the first. Well, no one has a clue as to what I'm doing on the third one because now I'm just, I'm opening up. (laughs) I'm taking the baffles out and I'm doing the third one. It's going to have a different name. I'm not going to make it "Shadow documentary three, but it's, it's it, what we're doing in this third movie will blow the doors i'm i'm naming names i'm tired of just going well we have this problem and well you know here's the problem and i'm actually naming names and um i'm pretty sure you know if i haven't had enough death threats
0: already i'll have them <laughs> by the time the third movie is out Pretty so- sure well, Vinny, we got to take a brief break and then we'll come back to more conversation. So let me uh, put you on hold and we'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Online with Bill Alexander. And on the phone, we have Vinny Tortorich. We're talking about health, food, and everything else between. We'll be back in just a few minutes to continue with Online with yours truly, Bill Alexander.
4: If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Buckle up your seatbelts,
0: they're accident-proof.
4: Should a careless private, won't you?
0: You won't go through the roof.
1: Hello, I'm Bob Denver. If you remember, like, work is a terrible word in the life of Maynard G. Krebs. But even Maynard knows that if you want to be successful, you really got to work, uh, work for it. And teenagers, the groundwork is being done right now. So stay in school and graduate. Don't leave without that diploma. In fact, stay in school and you won't have to go to work.
3: Work!
0: Work! <laughs> We are back. I love vintage public service announcements, just to let you know. Anyhow, you're listening to WMCK.FM, McKeesport, 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle, 1620 AM, Huntingdon, Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM, WWSX Radio 99.1 FM, Rehoboth, Delaware, Orca Radio in Owensburg, Kentucky, and streaming online at italknet.com and pghtalkradio.com. So we are on the program tonight. We are talking to Vinny Tortorich about health, <laughs> food and everything else in between. Now, Vinny, one thing I noticed in Fat 2, or Fat 1, the first documentary which I thought was interesting. Um, and let me let me uh, frame this before we before I ask you my question. Is my Do wife on. is um, when, whenever we were both gaining weight. She noticed it. She looked at diets that I would stick to. She found keto, and she said, this is it because I love red meat. I love eggs. I love fish. And it works out really well for me because I'm not, I'm not an overly fan of, of vegetables, but I love broccoli. So it was like keto was made for me. So we were yep. talking with family members, and we were, we were sitting down at a Thanksgiving dinner. This was about two years ago, and they put margarine on the table. And my wife looked at them and says, we don't use margarine. We only use butter. They said, well, you can't do that. That's all fat. She goes, no. Did you realize that margarine was actually made to fatten up turkeys? And it's one step away or one molecule away of being plastic. And they looked at her and thought she was crazy. We haven't used margarine in our house in years because of that research that we read. Because margarine, oleo, whatever it may be, is awful for you, but people think it's okay. Now the major corporations like ConAgra, this is my favorite one, you ready? They are selling one of the major margarines as a plant-based food. I'm going... Of course, it's plant based. It's coming from corn. And that's their new marketing tool, so everybody thinks it's healthy.
3: Yeah, you know, one of the things, you know, I talk, you know, my one of my uh, things is, you know, uh, one of my registered trademarks is NSNG, no sugars, no grains. Right. And the other one should be, although I don't own it, there's no seed oils. And the problem with, you know, it's funny when you think about it. Um, Seeds are great. If you want to eat seeds, eat seeds. If you want to eat, you know, um, uh, you know, anything like, you know, that's fine. Seeds are fine. Seed oils and corn oil, which is also known as vegetable oil, is an abomination. Um, The process that has to happen to cause seed oils, to become seed oils, is one of the reasons we have so much heart disease in this country and in the world today um it's it has nothing to do with you know beef tallow which comes you know that's rendered beef fat or you know uh, lard which comes from rendered you know pig fat right uh those are both fine coconut oil is great but we keep lying and saying that it's a saturated fat it's bad for you that's that's a whole campaign that's put out by the seed oil companies And, you know, as a matter of fact, not only is it not bad for you, it's very healthy for you. And I could go on and on and on. Um, But seed oils are are just horrible for your health. And margarine is a seed oil. Uh, That's what you mentioned, margarine. It is a seed oil.
0: Well, what I I find interesting, and I, I hear you mention this, and of course, before you even said it, I looked it up to make sure I was right. My grandmother used to cook with lard. Which is animal fat. It was okay. yeah. it was okay. She would keep the drippings from bacon when she made it in the morning, and when she fried the eggs up, she used the bacon grease to oil the pan. All of a sudden, yeah, when yeah, I look. was growing up, it was like you can't do that. That's 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 wrong. You can't do that. And I'm thinking to myself, all of a sudden, what goes around comes around. Now it's good for you.
3: Yeah, it, it is amazing, you know. I I wrote in my book when I wrote uh fitness confidential ten years ago, I said, you know, nobody was fat before we had Teflon. <laughs> you know it, you know, when good. when people were putting butter in the pan and yes. olive oil and you know, which is a great oil, um or, or lard or beef tallow, no one was fat. All of a sudden we, we took we went to Teflon, you took all that out, you used a little spray pam or whatever, and next thing you know, we have nothing but diseased, fat people in that, this country.
0: And to me, that's amazing because when I make eggs, I use butter. I do not use a spray. I don't use anything because I I like the taste of butter, and it's just the way I make my eggs. And I tried and yeah. and I try when I make eggs. I don't do over easy or over hard because I don't want to eat the toast. I end up scrambling them, or I make an omelet, throw cheese, throw baskets, throw sausage in them, so at least I know I'm not doing the grain thing. However, I do have a weakness occasionally when it comes to bread, and I'm trying to get back on that, that bandwagon where I don't eat it again, but again, sometimes it, it's a little bit difficult to do that. Um, actually, it's not. It's just mentally, to me, I, I think I need it occasionally. But the one thing I wanted to ask you about, and Anna and I were talking about this before as we were talking about drinking and what you can drink, because I know that if you drink um, diet soda, the sweetener in that actually ends up tricking your mind and making it seem like you're drinking sugar. Does that affect you in any way?
3: It does. And you know, again, early adapter to that. back in the 1980s. Yeah, you know, at first we only had Tab, and then they came out with Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi right. and Diet everything. And you know, then we had the pink stuff and the blue stuff and the yellow stuff. You know, we, we didn't even call it by its name; it was just whatever color packet it came in. We, we called it that, and they're all some version of you know, it's a, you know, a half a molecule away from real sugar. And you know, like the, the blue stuff is like, hey, sugar is sixteen calories per teaspoon and this is only three calories like no 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 we got it all wrong calories have nothing to do with gaining and losing weight i've been yelling about that for years and i don't want these these armchair scientists coming in well what about thermodynamics the laws of thermodynamics oh great you listened in 11th grade and you learned (laughs) the term the laws of thermodynamics and as i always tell them good for you so answer this and for me if you were driving your car down the road and it ran out of gas, what would you have to do to get it to run again? Well, you would have to put more gas in it. Okay, so the laws of thermodynamics does not work because you're asking me to run my body out of fuel and to keep running it, and it uh, just doesn't work that way. Right. You know, so, you know, what happens, you know, calories throw that out, out the window, and it's all, we gain and lose weight based on hormones. And when your hormones think that you're getting sugar, when your taste buds think you're getting sugar, even though you won't get that spike in your liver, right, you won't get that insulin release, your brain thinks you're getting sugar, and it acts as though. And we are not, we're not sophisticated enough, our systems was not meant to have fake sugars. Science has gotten ahead of the human body in a lot of cases. Uh, this stuff is no good. You know, have you ever seen a thin person walking around with a Diet Coke except for the commercial?
0: No, come to think
3: of it. Yeah. No, it doesn't happen. So if this stuff worked like a charm, you would never see an obese person drinking a Diet Soft drink. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the only time you see it is if it's a commercial on television. Right. But those same commercials will show somebody drinking beer and with a six pack playing volleyball on the beach. Yes. I've never seen a beer drinker with a six pack playing volleyball on the beach. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) You're right, you're right. Except for a commercial.
0: Yeah. So the the go to I have is I drink coffee pretty much twenty four seven. I drink it hot, and I also drink it cold. Actually, I have one sitting next to me. I don't know if you heard my straw or not, but I drink iced coffee like it's going out of style. Is that okay for me? Because we've heard all these stories about coffee being bad for you because of the heart, the high blood pressure, and stuff like that.
3: Okay. um, Now, let me, before I say this, um, let me, full disclosure, I own a coffee company. Okay. Okay, so why would a health and fitness guy own a coffee company? Well, because next to water is the healthiest drink on the planet, period. Number, n- number two, behind water. We need water to live. Right. Coffee has now been shown to not only... Look, back in the 80s, I would, I would say to doctors, you tell people not to drink coffee. That's right. Why? It's not good for you. Why? Because it's coffee. It's not good for you. Why? Because it's got caffeine in it. Okay, Why? You know, they could never answer the question uh-huh. as to why coffee was bad. And as a matter of fact, um, coffee is not bad for you. It's very healthy for you. And just recently, and you can go look this up. I'm not making this up. The American Heart Association has discovered that one cup of coffee a day will give you a 10% chance of less of, of a heart attack. Yeah. And guess what? If, if you drink two, it goes up to 20%. If mm-hmm. you drink three, it goes up. less chance. So you can lower your risk. The more coffee you drink, the less chance you have of having a heart attack. And guess what? If you have high blood pressure, coffee has nothing to do with it. Exactly. Nothing. You know, high blood pressure comes from uh, on the systolic side, the, the pressure is being put on the wall of your arteries, period. Has nothing to do with the amount of coffee you drink. Sorry, doesn't work. But sugar will make a difference.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say, because I drink coffee black, and if I and again, I drink coffee black with ice in the evening. What makes coffee bad for you is when you throw all the cream and all the sweeteners and all this stuff in it, because then that's going to just negate every good aspect of the coffee when you start putting that other stuff in it.
3: Unless you're putting heavy cream in it, okay. that's fine. And real dairy cream is fine. Putting a creamer, mm-hmm. creamer with the E-R, not so good. As a matter of fact, you want to talk about an abomination and something that should be outlawed. I mean, those creamers are, are just horrible for you. And anything that I, I, I tell everyone, if you're somewhere like at a car dealership or something where, yo, here's a free coffee, and they tell you, oh, yeah, just you got those little thumb packs of cream, Anything that you don't have to put in the refrigerator is not clean.
0: It's oil, yeah. That's
3: been bastardized. Yeah. Yeah, it's just oil. It's oil. So only use real cream. Don't use sugar. Don't use a sweetener. And enjoy your coffee. Yeah. Period.
0: Because when Anna and I talked about that and she said the coffee was good for me, I'm going, hey, I can do that, because I drink coffee or I drink water. Now Can if if you buy coffee, and I know you have your own coffee company, other than grinding it yourself, if you're buying stuff that's already pre-ground, are they doing anything with it that may affect shelf life or anything like that that may not be good for you?
3: Um, You know, the one thing the FDA got correct is if the ingredients in there is only ground coffee, it's only ground coffee. Okay, now whenever they, you know it's like ground coffee and it tastes like vanilla or something or yes. cinnamon. Now they've added some, some kind of crap. And as I always uh you know contend, coffee is a flavor. You're yes, not supposed it is. to add another flavor yeah. to Yeah. You know? But no, it it's pure coffee. And by the way, you don't have to buy my coffee to have good coffee. There's a lot of great coffees out there. I tell everyone just start with pure Arabica beans. And you can go to a grocery store and do at least five steps better than going to a Starbucks.
0: Right. Now, the other thing is, is the darker the coffee, the better? Or is it the other way around? Or does it make a difference? Well, no, it does. Well, first off,
3: the lighter the roast, and this is one of those things people get wrong. They go, oh, it's late in the day, I'm going to have a light roast. Well, if you're worried about too much caffeine late in the day, have a dark roast because a light roast is going to be more caffeinated. Oh, because I did know that. You didn't burn. Yeah. Uh, you could take coffee to what's called first crack. You know, it pops once. It's kind of like popcorn. It mm-hmm. pops a bit uh, when you're roasting. Usually, if you're making like an espresso, like a, a deep French roast, uh, it, you know, basically you could take any bean and bring it to, a second crack and get that oil out, you know, and really get the richness coming out of the coffee. <clears throat> That's, you know, we as a matter of fact, at my company, we have one called double French, where I literally, we call it double French because it doubles as a French, or if you put it in an espresso machine, you will get the best espresso you've ever really? had because uh, yeah, I take it to that level. So yeah, the darker you know, the more oily the bean is. Just that they cooked it more, you know, it, it, it roasted for longer. Uh, but when you do the lighter roast, like you, uh, let me let me go back to Starbucks for just a second. Most of Starbucks coffee tastes the same, no matter what time of year you get it. Yes, it tastes exactly the same. Well, they're not getting it from the same place all year long because. You know, you know, Ethiopian has their picking season and, and Costa Rica has their picking season and Hawaii and every, every place around the equator has their own picking season, right? So how does Starbucks get the same flavor out of every coffee? Well, number one, they're using mediocre coffees. You know, they're, they're all Arabica beans, but they're mediocre at best. And then what they do is they just cook the crap out of them. That's why when you go to Starbucks, the coffee tastes a bit bitter and a bit burnt because they're roasting it really hard, right, okay. to get it to taste like the same kind of coffee all year long. So you're not getting their best stuff. Okay. Um, you could do a lot better in the grocery store. That's what I'm trying to get okay, at. Okay,
0: I got you. Because um, for me, the darker, the better. I like that, that, that deep, that rich taste and and... The strange thing is people think I'm nuts, but I also like it if it's sat in the pot for two hours and it's cold, because (laughs) to me, that's just what it's supposed to taste like, because I've worked at a lot of bad radio stations, or not bad radio stations, but good radio stations that had bad coffee, and you got used to it because it was the only thing they had to drink, so uh, that's one of the reasons why I like it as dark as I do. Um, so when we talk about eating the meat, we've talked about beef. We talked about pork, chicken, fish. When we eat vegetables, which one should we be eating?
3: You want to roll along the line of cruciferous vegetables. You can go look up the word cruciferous later, but I'll give you a few examples. Okay. You know, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, um, Kale. I don't know why anyone would eat kale, but it's actually a cruciferous <laughs> vegetable. I don't like um, kale. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, asparagus is not a cruciferous, but it's really good for you. Yeah, you know, all of these are yeah you know, they're high in nitrates and nitrates, and um, they also have you know they're energy packed, right? Um, as far as fruit goes, olives, avocado, tomato. Okay. Um, You know, and and if you want to have like a sweet kind of fruit and, you know, berries, like strawberries, raspberries, blackberries. Oh, really?
0: Okay.
3: Yeah, uh, but on occasion as a treat. And uh, during season, you know, some cherries, some really good pink cherries and that kind of thing. or You know, but you don't want to load up on fruit. You want to load up on the vegetables and the meats and, you know, just run it along those lines. And you can actually... Google, you know, I tell people every night on Twitter because I answer every Twitter question. You know, they'll go, give me some more cruciferous vegetables. And I go, hey, dude, I'm not Google. You can go Google this stuff yourself. (laughs) So just go Google cruciferous and see what comes up and see what
0: you like. Okay.
3: Those are the ones that are going to have the highest nitrates and nitrates in them. So, you know, and then you just go along those lines. Yeah.
0: Because um, right now in our in our uh, freezer, we have a dr- a drawer of broccoli that is steamable broccoli <laughs> that my wife goes in and buys it by the I mean, by the gross, I think, because that's what we eat. Even when we weren't on yeah. keto, all we eat is broccoli anyhow. Um, oh, good. Because that's it. Now, the other thing is, and she said this to me, and I'm going to ask you, is is it OK to eat lettuce or is lettuce not that great for you? Or spinach?
3: Lettuce is neither here. Well, spinach spinach is fine. Okay. I love um, spinach. You know, spinach is fine. All the leafy greens are fine. Lettuce is neither here nor there. But, you know, it's, it's just fibrous water okay. stuff. You know, and if you like lettuce and you want to do a little salad, uh, my wife knows that I will not touch a salad unless it has, you know, olives in it or avocados, or some pine nuts and avocados, or something. Mm -hmm. It better have something in it for me, something of substance. Okay. And, you know, and some olive oil. Um, But, you know, (laughs) and by the way, if you're going to do lettuce and salad, stay away from any kind of dressing. There is no paleo dressing or low-carb dressing that I'm familiar with that's any good for your health, period.
0: Because when you look at the like the ranch, the blue cheese, the stuff like that, I mean, it is just it's loaded with other stuff. Um, And and again, if it was just cheese, you'd be okay. Now, what cheeses do you recommend eating, or is all all non processed cheese okay? But I think all cheese is processed.
3: Well, no, well, all you know, you want to stay away. Look. If it comes in a bag where it's already shredded, yeah, you know, they have to put basically wood pulp in there with it so it doesn't oh, really? fall okay. back together. Yeah, that's how they keep those bags of leather. You, you, you know, people you see, I always look at things from a science standpoint. Like, oh, hang on. How is this stuff not gelling back together? Yes. Right? So and I look into it and they're using cellulose, which is wood basically you know wood pulp yeah um that's how they do that um so you know stay away from stuff like that stay away from sliced cheeses and all that you know if you have a nice wine shop where you live or you Mm -hmm. have a whole foods or something where they they have the good artisan cheese go get that stuff so live a little
0: you're looking for hard cheeses then the ones that you have to either grate yourself or cut yourself
3: Yeah, um, you know, there are a lot of great Stilton's, a lot of blue cheeses I like. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, the stinkier the better. Yeah.
0: I love blue cheeses. I'm
3: I'm a foodie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and by the way, I like cold coffee too. As a matter of fact, when the pot drips in the morning, when I go in to pour my morning cup, you know, it's on automatic. Yeah. I take the pot off of the little heat element because Uh I want it to start cooling naturally so I can just keep drinking it because the flavor is. And I'm always checking my coffee anyway because it's my coffee. And I want to check and see what it's like when it's hot, when Mm -hmm. it's warm, when it's, you know, almost room temperature. You know, I'm I'm checking it all the way through. I want to know what the customer is getting.
0: Right, I got you. um,
3: But I've always been that way. But, you know, when it comes to cheese, man, you know, I'm I'm out there buying anything and everything I get my hands on and trying it all. And, you know, every cheese you can imagine – um, I I will give it a shot.
0: Um, going back to coffee again, with the advent of the Keurig, is that okay too? I mean, do, do you do you sell the, the, the ones for the single brew for the Keurig machines, or are they off limits?
3: Um, I don't know what Keurig is putting in there. I've never had a Keurig that, a cup of coffee that I like. Okay. But I will tell you this. Um uh, this company uh, Nespresso. Um, people always say to me, "Man, when you guys are going around the world buying up all this high end coffee, don't you have to compete with Starbucks?" It's like, no, right? We're competing with Nespresso. They're buying the high end stuff yeah. too, so they're driving that market up. Um, and so after I noticed that Nespresso is out there buying up all this stuff, I bought a, a Nespresso machine about six seven years ago, and Started trying all their coffees, and sure enough, man, <laughs> they have great coffee in those little pots.
0: <laughs> well, <You know? laughs> it's like high end stuff, right? Because um, my wife and I are actually looking at buying an espresso machine this weekend, which is interesting. You bring that up. Uh, so when you when you make the perfect cup of coffee, how hot should the water be? Because I've heard that water has to be a certain temperature just to release all that flavor when it's dripping over the, the basket of grounds.
3: Yeah, you want it to be just shy. Now we're getting into the nerdy stuff. I know, I like so that. So like, um, <laughs> whenever, you know, whenever we, um, we, it's called cupping, you know, whenever I'm bringing in, because I do what's called the exploring series, so every six weeks I bring in something special where I get a small lot of it. Okay, and um, so I'm always cupping, and I'm always checking our stuff and cupping our stuff. Um, you know, the stuff that we keep you around. Um, so you, you you go right below boiling, right? So boiling is what two twelve, so somewhere around um, one one ninety eight to two oh two. You know, you pour it over like that. Okay. And let it open up. You want to go just shy of boiling. Um, and, and that's pretty much the standard around the world. Whenever, whenever we go to coffee conventions and all that, well, we didn't go this year because of COVID, but, Right. you know, whenever, so, and, so we'll do cuppings and I'll do that and then I'll pull out, um, my, um, uh, my, my special little, um, drip situation. It's called a Chemex. I don't know if you're familiar with no. the Chemex. Um, if you ever watched, I don't know how old you are, Bill, but um, the old Mary Tyler Moore show, she used the Chemex. It was like this glass
0: thing with yes. this thing around the middle. I know exactly what um, you're talking
3: about. Yeah, um, that's a Chemex, and, and and you know that's how you you judge coffee. You you pour it and get the coffee to plume a bit, and okay. then you know just drip it, and you keep that water right at that level, and you get a perfect cup of
0: coffee every single
3: time. You go just shy of boiling. Of your water, and that, that will get you there.
0: Now, I have, and I, I, I'm in my mid-50s, just to let you know, and when I started drinking coffee, it was in the late 70s, and my grandparents had a percolator, which to me is what coffee is supposed to taste like. Um, because for a long time, I didn't like drip coffee. It did. It didn't have enough flavor for me. Um, but again, the older you get and, and more crazy life gets, it's easier just to have the timer set and have it make itself in the morning. But there has been times that we've had a percolator that we've had on a timer that we were able to do it. And to me, that tastes like a much better coffee because it's not just dripping through the. Um, through the uh, grounds once it's actually doing it multiple times and is that the best way to get the flavor out of the coffee is having the water go through the grounds more than once
3: Uh, i i'm gonna be honest with you i like it that way too okay because we had you know we had the percolator when i was a kid also and i'm i'm a big hiking camping guy and you know the the thing that i put over the fire is a Is a campfire percolator. You you just put it over your campfire stove and it will percolate. And every time I go camping, I'll wait for that cup of coffee and then I'll come home. And since I have that piece of equipment out here, that that campfire percolator, I'll leave it on the stove for a week or two and keep using it. Uh Um, but But I do coffee so many different ways. I mentioned the Chemex. In the morning, I do the drip. I also use a mocha pot. Um, Are you familiar with the mocha pot? No, I'm not. No, it's kind of, some people call it the Italian espresso machine. It's where you put some water at the bottom and then you put, you stuff some coffee in the middle and the pressure, you know, you screw the top on and the pressure pushes up through it. If you go to Italy, every house is going to have one. Okay. No matter, north, south, central Italy, everybody's got one on the stoves. And they probably have another two or three tucked up in the counter <laughs> somewhere. Um, but I, I, I do mocha pods. Um, you know, some, sometimes I will do cowboy coffee. As a matter of fact, when I'm testing a new coffee, I will literally, after I do the cupping and do the Chemex, um, I'll tell the guys that work for me, I'll say, go make me some Mississippi mud. And what that means is I don't want anyone measuring anything. I just want them to go in there, dump some coffee in the machine. Right. And just pour some water in. I want to see what's going to come out because people make coffee blurry-eyed
0: mm-hmm. and
3: everything else, and they're not paying attention, and I just want to know what they're drinking.
0: Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So
3: I make, I make everything from mocha to drip to Chemex to percolate to, you know. Oh, and by the way, I even have um, – at the company, uh, one of those um, you mentioned it. What type of machine that was a curry? Yes. And we have a curry where we stuff our coffee in the you know you can get like a reusable Keurig yes. thing. Yes. Yes. And we put it. I run it through that and taste it to see what it tastes like coming from a because I want to know. Right. I, I want to know what I'm selling to the consumer. Yeah. Um.
0: I I like mine occasionally as thick as molasses when it gets made. So <laughs> it's like yeah. I, <laughs> For me, when I need coffee and I need that boost, for some reason, that's the best way for me to drink it. Um, Vinny, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Um, is there anything you want to tell my audience before I let you go this evening? Because it's hard to believe we've been talking for almost an hour now. Oh, wow. It feels
3: like it's been 10 minutes. <laughs> um, look, go check out you know Fata Documentary 2. is brand new. It's been out since January 1st. Um, you do not have to watch Father documentary one to see documentary the second one, but you might want to watch it back to back. And, uh, you can check out me and Anna Vocino. Um, we have a podcast now that's been going on for almost 10 years. We have close to 1800 episodes. Uh, there's over a million downloads a month. That's you know, amazing. It's, it's pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, we haven't missed, we do five shows a week and, um, we've been doing it now for a long time. So long that Anna has created an entire industry out of it. She's got Eat Happy, Eat Happy Two, Eat Happy Kitchen, you know, where she makes this marinara, which is unbelievable. Yes. Um, you know, we've all created cottage industries out of it. Yeah. You know, I have my I have a vitamin company, I have a coffee company, and we just started NSNG
0: Foods. So um, just go check out what we have, and you and you can learn all about it. Vinny, I appreciate it. I'd love to have you back on before the third documentary comes out, because I'm kind of curious whose names you're going to be mentioning in this, since you said you're going to be mentioning names. So I'd love to have you back on here in the future.
3: Bill, it's it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on, and I I will come back whenever you call and whenever you want me back.
0: That sounds great. Vinny, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking time this evening to talk to me and talk to my audience. You have a great night, and we'll talk to you next time. You too, sir. Bye-bye. Online with Bill Alexander, Vinny Totoric. If you want more information about Vinny, go to his website, um, and it's available at VinnyTorch.com. That way you can uh, talk to him and check it out. Actually, you can talk to him because there is a way that you can schedule a call with Vinny to be able to talk to him. So, again, great conversation. Anna, thank you very much for this interview this evening. I owe you one, because if it wasn't for Anna, we wouldn't be talking to Vinny tonight. Um, Enjoyable. I hope that you learned a few things. I hope we put uh, debunked a few myths that you may have thought about when it comes to eating, and again, keep your fingers crossed because I'm going back on keto so I can lose at least 30 to 40 pounds. I'll keep you posted if it if, if, how I do. Maybe I'll start doing what everybody else does. I'll take a picture of myself beforehand and you can watch me disappear in front of your eyes. Okay, I won't disappear, but it's a nice thought anyhow. <laughs> Anyways, that is going to wrap it up for yours truly, Bill Alexander. rest of you guys, you have a great night. We will talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander.
3: This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. For more information, go to italknet.com.
4: Switch to Metro by T-Mobile and save more. Get the new iPhone SE now with 5G at the lowest price in prepaid. Just 99
1: dollars I post a lot. And thanks to the iPhone SE with 5G and advanced 4K camera, I'm snapping and sharing while my followers are smashing the like button.
4: Switch and get the iPhone SE for just 99 dollars Only at Metro. Save more versus national prepaid brands. Limited time offer in-store only. Price for 64 gigabyte model with eligible ports, $60 plan, and ID. See 5G device coverage and access details at metrobytmobile.com.